Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome back. This is Consider This Northumberland and I'm your host Robert Washburn and you're listening to Northumberland 89.7 FM. If you like where you live, then this mini documentary is something you will want to listen to today. It is going to look at a recent piece of legislation called Bill 109 or the More Homes for Everyone Act. It may sound like a good idea, but there are planners who are worried it means less control for municipalities and residents in shaping the future of where you live. Here it is. Take a moment to think about where you live. Whether you've lived in Northumberland County all your life or you just recently moved here, you have this image in your head of this place where you live. It doesn't matter if it is Brighton or Camelford or Bewley, Port Hope or Coburg. You can see it. The main street, the houses, the parks. The arena, it's all there. So what happens when developers come along? Now, think about all the subdivisions like the one in Lakeport and Alnwick Haldeman, or the projects in Colborne or Grafton. Then there are the lands in Wesleyville or the or the Tribute Homes project in the northeast corner of Coburg. Projects like those change things. They change so many things, not just the number of people who live here. It changes the schools, hospitals, the need for doctors, recreational spaces, and so on. It changes the image in our minds about the places where we live. Well, the provincial government passed some legislation at the end of April, just before the election. It is called Bill 109, or the More Homes for Everyone Act. Sounds good, right? Well, not everyone thinks so. It is going to have an impact on every community in Northumberland and across Ontario. It is going to alter the way that municipalities are going to grow. Locally, there is one canary in the coal mine. It is Anne Taylor Scott. She is the planner for Coburg. She has a lot of concerns about Bill 109. She delivered a report to Coburg Council recently. The issues she raises should give everyone pause for thought. Taylor Scott explains why people should be paying attention. I think whether you're talking about changes to the Planning Act or affordable housing or the land inventory project, I think it's an interesting time to be engaged in the community and the town of Coburg. Um, And being engaged also means, in my mind, being in control of our own destiny as well, as much as that may sound like a a cliche. Bill 109 aims to make it easier and quicker for developers. It sets time limits on municipal planning departments to approve plans for subdivision or rezoning. And if the municipality doesn't get it done quick enough, developers will get refunds. It will also reduce the documentation developers must submit. On first blush, it sounds a lot like getting rid of red tape. What it also does is it takes away local control. Municipalities and residents are not going to have the ability to respond to the needs of the community, the places where we live. Taylor Scott lays out the dilemma. 
at what cost are we speeding up development approvals? Um, if if we through you know doing our our professional duties as planners and engineers, if we're forced to speed up the process and you know what if what if we're forced to cut corners and and what if we're pressured to approve something that maybe needs more review or maybe needs more study uh i think that's a you know that's perhaps an unintended consequence while the title of the legislation sounds like more homes will be built taylor scott says it is not actually the case my overall summary of of bill 109 is that um While the the title of the legislation is More Homes for Everyone Act, um, there's not a specific lens of, hey, we want to provide more affordable homes or more attainable homes for the residents of our local communities. It's, It's more about, hey, we want to get more homes to market, whether that's market single family homes worth over a million dollars that's that's the premise of the the legislation so it's more to more about getting any home to market not just affordable units and that the the premise of bill 109 appears to be removing hurdles for the development industry and and that in my opinion can be seen through the mandate to reduce fees if approvals aren't given in a timely fashion and uh providing limitations on the types of conditions for subdivisions and providing limitations on what complete site plan requirements are. It is a good time to explain what she is talking about when she talks about site plans and other technical aspects. I'll try to keep it simple. Municipalities plan for growth through a document known as the official plan. It says where all parks, arenas, factories, retail stores, and homes will go. Within the official plan are more specific, detailed documents known as secondary plans. These look at smaller chunks within the municipality. It breaks it down even finer. It is specific. So, it will say apartments will go here. Single-family homes will go there. Condos will go over there. It also takes into account where affordable homes will go, and so on. The public is consulted before it is approved. It is where all the local debate goes on. Then, the politicians approve a final version. Next, a developer comes along and proposes a plan to build. This is called a plan of subdivision. The developer is supposed to follow these two plans, the official plan and the secondary plan. More likely than not, the developer will want changes. More condos here, no apartments, a park over there maybe a school. Those changes are called rezonings. Also, the municipality requires additional documentations for the plan of subdivision. There may be environmentally sensitive lands. It may be located near a railway track. The need for a new school. This means the plans must be approved by other agencies like the Regional Conservation Authority or CN Rail or the school board. Taylor Scott explains. So the amount of review, the uh, the complexities of the file, the the time frame associated with getting those comments back from staff and agencies, then the time it takes the the developer and their consulting team 
to make those edits, make those changes, and then ultimately resubmit. Um, those types of rezonings with uh, the paired with a plan of subdivision can take much longer. Um, it, in some cases, it can take several months or a year or more, depending again on the complexity of the file. Taylor Scott says this is where the time is spent and the documents are needed. She says Bill 109 sets out strict timelines and refunds. The purpose of refunding Planning Act fees for site plans and rezonings is to push applications through the approval process quicker. And should they not be approved within a prescribed time frame, then the applicant gets a full refund of fees. Mm -hmm. For site plans, uh, the applicant would be eligible for a full refund after 120 days, or uh, that would be four months. Similarly, with a, a simple rezoning application, uh, 210 days, they would get a full refund of 100% of their application fees. Ultimately, the site plan approval time frame is, is 60 days, after which they would be uh, eligible for a 50% reduction in fees. And at that point as well, they would be eligible to appeal their lack of decision from municipal council or staff to the Ontario Land Tribunal. So why is this a concern? In my opinion, my concern is that there's a number of factors that go into timeframes associated with any Planning Act application and the approval associated with that. Um, staff time, staff resources, uh, external agencies and the timeframes that they're up against, including, for instance, the, the Conservation Authority, provincial ministries themselves, such as the Ministry of Transportation. Besides speeding things up, there will be a cost as well. Um, in 2021, uh, we received a number of site plan application and zoning bylaw amendment applications. Uh, at this point, we have seven active site plans and two zoning bylaw amendments that are still under review and in process. So if I were to assume if this legislation was in place that these are taking longer than the prescribed 120 days or 210 days in the case of a zoning bylaw amendment, the refunds that would be owing would be uh, just over $52,000. The other aspect of the changes is the documentation. Currently in Coburg, planners sit down with the developer to discuss what is needed. Each site plan or rezoning is unique. The two sides agree on what documentation is needed and it goes forward from there. Taylor Scott says Bill 109 will be different. The, the province through Bill 109 uh, will be setting the stage to pass a regulation that would create a standardized list of required items for a complete site plan application. Uh, this is something that the province has not waded into previously. This is where the province is reaching even further into local planning. And this is where the concerns grow. With that regulation, will there be enough flexibility for staff here at the town of Coburg to create that unique and tailored case-by-case pre-consultation checklist 
as we do now, and as I feel that works really well, works really well here, it works really well in other municipalities where I've worked, um, will that flexibility be removed? And uh, again, it's, it's a bit sight unseen as to what this regulation will look like. Um, but my worry is that it will remove some of the flexibility that planning staff have to really tailor and scope the list of required uh, documentation needed for that application. Because let's be honest, every site has unique characteristics. And I feel that we as professional planners do a really good job of working with the development industry and coming up with um, a realistic set of uh, requirements prior to that complete application. And I don't think we're in the habit of asking for things that, that truly aren't needed or, or do not add value to the process. Bill 109 is not the first piece of legislation to impact planning locally. Recently, the province stepped in to stop the Wesleyville land purchase at the end of March. Again, a piece of legislation passed in February enacted a new agency called the Centre for Realty Excellence. Its job is to dispose of lands owned by the province or its agencies. In the case of Wesleyville, it was the Ontario Power Generation, or OPG. Port Hope Mayor Bob Sanderson and town staff spent two years negotiating a deal to purchase those lands for $20 million. The town is contesting the province's interference. Taylor Scott says she's watching the Centre for Realty Excellence closely as well. The closure of the Brookside Youth Detention Centre on King Street in Coburg is another example of provincially owned lands. It contains open space and a series of buildings plus some heritage buildings. Yes, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the Centre for Realty Excellence and um, what that will mean for uh, provincially owned lands and, and how that plays out, whether that's you know, the Wesleyville example or our own Brookside example, if that in fact is the case. I think it's, it's, it's early in the, in the process, uh, but I'll be interested in watching closely as to how this new core uh, Center for Realty Excellence, how it unfolds and, and how it uh, fulfills the uh, objective of uh, encouraging affordable housing. Uh, in the case of, of, of Brookside, I guess, you know, time will tell. It comes down to some simple ideas. It is important for developers to get approvals in a timely manner. But as Scott Taylor sees it, there are consequences. The county's growth study is projecting 122,000 people will live here by 2025. That's an increase of 90,000. Taylor Scott acknowledges this reality. So I expect, um, you know, planning activity to remain strong. She sees the pressures from the Greater Toronto Area, or GTA, will continue. I think certainly being on the edge of the GTA and being uh, a growth uh, urban settlement area in Northumberland County, there certainly is growth pressure and we're certainly feeling that. Um, so growth, you know, the official plan does call for growth uh, as part of uh, the planning horizon. And that is also uh, 
informed by the County of Northumberland's official plan and all of the growth plan targets for new residential growth and employment growth. But I think that all has to be done carefully and considering the context of the growth within the town of Coburg, um, where it does have a unique uh, sense of community, whether where it, you know, is a small town or has been a small town and is growing and uh, with the unique geographical context and the uh, the uh, the heritage districts that it has to offer and the beach and the tourism. So I think growth is great, but it has to be done in a manner that is uh, is controlled and is conscientious and is sensitive to the context of the town of Coburg. When you hear all this, what happens to that image in your mind? The one we talked about earlier, the beautiful beaches, the rolling hills of farmland, the scenic landscapes. Moreover, the More Homes for Everyone Act might mean that there will be more houses, but will people be able to afford them? Will we end up with urban sprawl? Are we solving a problem or creating one? Bill 109 is enacted. Now regulations will be coming forward. Taylor Scott says she and other planners will be watching closely. That was a mini-documentary featuring Ann Taylor Scott, the Director of Planning and Development for the town of Coburg. Just a quick note about the next few weeks. With the start of the provincial election scheduled for June 2nd, I will be featuring candidate interviews beginning next week. So, stay tuned to learn more about people running in Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.